0: In the name of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Would all the Maggies please come forward? <laughs> <All the Maggie's. laughs> I'm Maggie, too. I'm Maggie, too. Maggie, one. Maggie, two. Morning. You ever work in the garden at home? <laughs> do they ever ask you to work in the garden at home? Sometimes. Pull weeds or anything? Sometimes. Sometimes. I just say I'm busy. <laughs> you say you're busy. <laughs> you know, I don't like working in the garden at home, but I do. Uh, some I do, not all the time. I let it kind of overgrow, and then I get out there and do it all at once. But. And I always water it first because if you try to pull weeds out of a dry ground, they break off and they come right back. So I water the gardens first and let it get real moist. And then when I get out there, I'll take my cup of water, especially in the summer because it's so hot and you have to stay hydrated. And so I'll have my, my Arctic cup right there of, of ice cold water and I'll start digging in the dirt and take all the weeds out. My hands get really dirty and sometimes ants, um, but i start and, and, and then I take a drink from my cup and mud gets all over it and I do some more and I take a drink from my cup and mud gets all over it and pretty soon my cup has mud all over it and if I were to offer someone a drink from my cup they'd say ooh no would you, if, I, if, if I were to offer you a drink of that water would you take it no because it has stuff all over it right but what's on the inside of the cup that's protected by the lid and everything clean water yeah, you know, Jesus talks about that in the gospel lesson today. Not about weeding or, or drinking from an arctic cup, but he talks about what's on the inside. Uh, the outside, I mean, because the, the Jews had a lot of laws back in those days. Like, and, and some of these laws are good for you, really good for you. Like you had to wash your hands before you eat, and you had to wash certain vessels to make sure uh, that they were clean before you could use them and we do that today, right? We wash our hands and we brush our teeth and we wash our pots and dishes and, and plates and stuff. But, but, but the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes and, and all the Jewish religious elders began to complain about Jesus. Your disciples, you're not doing everything that's ascribed in the law. Why are your disciples not doing that? And Jesus says, it's not what's on the outside. It's not the mud on the cup, it's what's on the inside. It's the clean water. And sometimes what comes from the inside because you've been telling lies or you've been stealing or you've been saying bad things about other people or you have these evil thoughts and you just keep feeding those thoughts and you keep getting angry and you keep doing, it's, it's those things that come out of you. That's, that's what's bad, not, what's, not what your body looks like. Again, we take care of this temple that God has given us. But he says, it's not that, it's what's on the inside that comes out of your heart. It's your character that makes you what God wants you to be. So we we have to remember that. Because a lot of times we take more care of our outside body appearance than we do of our heart. And a lot of times... We get angry, and we say bad things, and we do the things we shouldn't be doing, um, and saying, and thinking, and looking at, and those sorts of things. And, and when we do that, it doesn't make God happy. Okay? So let's think about those things. And Father Michael's is going to, well, he knows he's not going to talk about that specifically, but some of those sorts of things. So thank you. Good having this private conver- <laughs> conversation with you.
1: those of you who have been watching the news probably know that uh, Hurricane Ida is making landfall right around now, and we have many brothers and sisters in southern Louisiana, so I thought it would be appropriate that we take some time just to pray for them before we get started with the sermon. So if you bow your heads and pray with me, please. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the gift you have given us to come and worship you in spirit and in truth this morning. We lift up to you our brothers and sisters in southern Louisiana who find ourselves in the path of this storm please keep them safe keep them dry please be with all first responders and emergency personnel who are in the area that will help respond to this storm lord jesus we love you and we pray this in your name amen well good morning everyone my name is father michael Schwant, i'm the associate rector and youth minister here at saint timothy's anglican church if you are a newcomer joining us for the first time this morning i want just just to say welcome And I want to let you know that in the uh, lobby or the narthex of our building, there is a welcome desk. And on that welcome desk is actually a packet that is our gift to you. It's information about the church and why we do things a certain way. If you have any questions, you can come up to myself, the other clergy or leadership or members here, and we will do our best to answer your question. But I just want to say welcome and thank you for joining us this morning. This morning, I will not be preaching on the gospel, as Father Stan started to allude to. I will actually be in the book of James. I will be in our epistle lesson for this morning. Those of you who may be new to Anglicanism, uh, we here at St. Timothy's use what's called the lectionary. It's a three-year cycle of church readings that we do each Sunday. It has an Old Testament lesson, a psalm, a New Testament lesson, and a gospel. And the vision is that if you come to church every Sunday for three years, you will have read the entirety of Scripture. So come to church. James is known by many different things sometimes it's called the proverbs of the new testament because of all the of of practical advice that you can find within it proverbs is full of practical advice and so sometimes james is called the proverbs of the new testament it is uh, quite possibly the oldest new testament book in the new testament canon it's certainly one of the oldest if not the oldest book It's most likely a collection of sermons that James, the brother of Jesus, preached, and they got all these sermons together and then uh, rotated this letter around the various churches that he was involved with. I personally like to call it the Just Do It book. You know, Nike's famous slogan is Just Do It, Just the Just Do It book. It's full of helpful advice that you can apply to your life. As a pastor, I try to stay well-informed and... uh, well read and well educated and so i find myself reading a lot of books about the church and a lot of articles about the church and good things about the church and sometimes problems within the church and the books and articles that frustrate me sometimes are ones that describe a problem but then don't give you any sort of practical and helpful advice right they just kind of leave you with the problem and then you're like what am i supposed to do now james is not that james is addressing the problem that is in all of our lives and that's the problem of sin and death but leaves us with plenty of practical advice that you and I can apply to our lives as soon as we leave this building and go about our daily life. So I like to call it the Just Do a Book. There's three things that I believe uh, God is addressing and uh, calling our attention to this morning. The first one is anger. What is a Christian response to anger? The second one, it's what it looks like to be a doer of the word and not just a hearer of the word. And lastly, what does pure religion look like? Maybe your translation will run if you say religion that is pure and undefiled. What does that look like for us here this morning? If you have a Bible, I encourage you to get it out in front of you. If you don't have a Bible, there should be a pew Bible in the pew around you somewhere. There should also be a bulletin with the scripture insert there. You're more than welcome to have that in front of you. It will be helpful just to have the text in front of you as we walk through this passage. We're going to be again in James chapter 1. We're going to start with verse 19. Not that the verses 16, 17, and 18 aren't wonderful, they are. We're just going to start with verse 19. Verses 19, 20, and 21 read, Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your soul. As I was doing research for this sermon, I came across an interesting story involving a baseball game. This particular baseball game occurred in the year 1894 in the city of Boston. So it was not in Fenway Park, the oldest baseball stadium in America, because that particular baseball stadium had not yet been built. It's kind of crazy to think about it. But this game was between the Baltimore Orioles and the Boston Bean Eaters. Apparently the Boston team used to be called the Bean Eaters. I did not know this. That's your fun fact for the day. And the story goes that there was a fight broke out between two players because the Bean Eaters' Tommy Foghorn Tucker was trying to slide into third base and then an Orioles player by the name of John McGraw kicked him in the face as he was trying to do so. Now, more peaceful spirits did not rule the spirit of the day and a fight broke out between these two players. And since it was a home game in Boston, all of the fans were engrossed with watching this fight and wanting Tommy Foghorn to get revenge on John Tucker, the away team player who had kicked him in the face. And they were so engrossed with this fight that they failed to realize that another person attending the baseball game who had been smoking a cigarette flicked his cigarette beneath the stands, and what he did not realize is that they stored all the trash underneath the stands, and they're in a wooden baseball stadium. And so by the time they got the fight under control... The fire that had started underneath the stands was out of control. And by the time the fire was done, brothers and sisters, about 12 acres of urban property was burned down. Around uh, 200 buildings were destroyed. About $300,000 worth of damage in 1894 damage was done. And just under 2,000 people were left homeless. Now thankfully there were no fatalities, but that is a significant amount of damage. I share with you that story because it does a lot to do with what James is talking about when he begins to talk about anger and how we as Christians are supposed to respond to anger, right? The people in the stands were so engrossed with the fight that was happening in front of them and wanting revenge and justice to be done that they failed to realize the fire. There was actually a Baltimore player who realized that there was a fire goes and tries to put the fire out but because the stands were so engrossed in the fight no one was listening to him and it wasn't until it was too late that they realized that there actually was a fire let's go to scripture let's read verse 20 for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of god for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of god James precedes this with talking about being slow to speak and quick to hear and slow to anger. And he talks about how the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. And what is he talking about there? One of the key words in order to understand what he's talking about is obviously the word righteousness. So what does righteousness mean? One of the images that should come to our mind whenever we are talking about righteousness should actually be a law court setting. If you are declared righteous, you are declared to be in the right, right? right? It's kind of like a legal term. You're declared to be in the right. You are declared righteous. Righteousness. And so when James is saying for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God, what James is saying is that our anger, the huma- anger of humanity cannot and does not produce the righteousness of God. God's plan to set the world to be right in the right. Righteousness. As much as we want to get angry all of the time, that does not produce the righteousness of God. It does not bring about God's plan of righteousness. Now, don't misunderstand me, brothers. What James does not say, brothers and sisters, what James does not say in this passage is to never be angry, right? He says just to be slow to anger, right? And so what James is saying is that if you are spending more time being angry then being a peacemaker, what the Gospel of Matthew calls a peacemaker, then you need to re-examine your heart. Because we should be slow to anger and slow to speak and quick to hear, quick to hear and try to understand where the other person is coming from. I just alluded to Matthew 5, 9 that says, Blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called sons of God. If you are a son of God, a son or a daughter of God, that means you have been adopted into that family, right? You have all the privileges that goes along with that, but all of the responsibilities that comes along with it as well. Be slow to speak, slow to anger, and quick to hear. Let's move on to verses 22 through 25, and they read, But be doers of the word Up on the chancel, but I have it with me today as a sermon prop, right? How many times has this happened to you where you're like looking for your cell phone, but it's in your hands, right? Has that ever happened to you? Where you're like, where is my phone? Where is my phone? And it's right here in your hand. I think I even one time was talking to my mom and I said, mom, I can't find my phone. And I was on my phone and she was like, Michael, think for just a second, about what you just asked me. I share with you that story because it's very similar to what James is talking about, right? He describes this person, a doer and a hearer, right, these two different people, and a person who is just a hearer of the word and not a doer is like a person who looks at his, looks at his mirror or her mirror says, yep that's what I look like, I know what I look like, this is is who I am, and then they look away and then they just instantly forget what they look like. Like a person who's trying to find their cell phone and it's in their hand, right? They're just that forgetful. Let me put it another way. A doer of the word, as opposed to a hearer, the hearer of the word is a person who comes to church on Sunday, does everything right, listens to the word of God, listens to the sermon, listens to scripture, does everything right, and then on Monday morning goes about and lives their life as if their life had not been changed on Sunday morning. Does not let it affect their actions and affect their life. They're just a hearer, not a doer who acts. And the amazing thing is that the promise that James lays out in Scripture here is an amazing promise. Verse 25 reads, But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing." Now, brothers and sisters, I wish I could stand here and tell you that living a blessed life is a life that is full of puppy dogs and rainbows, but that would not be the case. One of the best examples of what living a blessed life does look like, though, is actually the story of Joseph, found in the book of Genesis, at the end of the book of Genesis. Joseph is sold into slavery because his his brothers get jealous of him, and then he's sold uh, to an Egyptian official. By the name of Potiphar and then Potiphar's wife accuses him of sexual misconduct even though he had been uh, so blessed in what he was doing he'd been put in charge of Potiphar's entire house so he's thrown into prison because he has no legal say because he's a slave and while he's in prison God blesses him in what he does and he's given more responsibilities and freedoms than any other prisoner in the prison but he's still a prisoner but then God was able to use him and through his ability to interpret j- dreams was able to become second only to Pharaoh in order to help them prepare for a famine that was about to spread through the land. So as we live our lives, sometimes, brothers and sisters, we can feel like we're on top of the world. And we're second only to Pharaoh, right? God is a good God and he loves to give good gifts to his children. And so I hope that there are some times in your life whenever you feel the goodness of God, right? There may be times, though, whenever you feel like you're in prison. But the promise that James lays out here in his letter is that if you are a doer of the word, if you're a person who dedicates their life to live by the words of Jesus, God will bless you in what you're doing. Even if you find yourself in prison or if you find yourself on top of the world, God will not abandon you. God will be with you and bless you in what you are doing. Be a doer of the word and not just a hearer. Move on with verses 26 and 27, and it reads If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God, the Father is this to visit orphans and widows in their affliction, and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Now, I almost showed a YouTube video this morning as a sermon illustration, but it was just a little too long, so I'm just gonna tell you about it instead. And it was a story of five uh, different encounters that real soldiers, real veterans, real soldiers, real active duty soldiers and veterans had with people who were pretending to be veterans and pretending to be soldiers, right? And these people who were pretending, they had the uniform that they had bought and they had paid extra to make sure it looked official, right? And they had researched just enough of military life to know certain things that, that, you know, they knew what camp to say in order that they had served at and where they had served and when they had served, at And they had done enough research to be passable for those that, that, that weren't in the military, right? But these soldiers would go around and they would expose these fake soldiers because of their knowledge that they had actually serving as military personnel. And in their service, the real soldiers were saying, did you know this about being an active duty military person? Did you know this? I actually know the commanding officer of the camp you just mentioned, and he doesn't know you. There was a service there that real veterans had, and that gives them a knowledge, and that is what they were able to use to differentiate themselves from people who in all outward appearances looked like soldiers but it was only in the service rendered that they were able to tell the difference between the two. James, here at the end of our selection of readings, presents two people to us, right? He presents the persons whose religion is worthless and the persons whose religion is pure and undefiled. And so what James says is that the persons whose religion is worthless does not take the advice that I just gave them does not bridle their tongue, right? They're not slow to speak and slow to anger and quick to hear, right? They're quick to speak and quick to anger, right? The second person has taken his advice. He, is, he or she is a doer of the word and not just a hearer of the word and lays out what that looks like, right? James says the person who is a doer of the word, a person whose religion is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this to visit orphans and widows in their affliction. Whenever scripture brings that about, it means to literally visit orphans and widows in their affliction, to visit them whenever they're sad and when they need help, but also just to help the poor and the downtrodden and the outcast whenever they need help, right? To help people in their need when the need arises. And I love the second half of that verse, right? To keep oneself unstained from the world. N.T. Wright, who was... uh, a New Testament scholar and former bishop of the Diocese of Durham in the United Kingdom has a commentary on the book of James. He actually translates it himself into his own words from the original Greek and he translate that verse in such a way where it says, keep, keep yourself, go into the world, but don't get so close that they rub off on you. Don't get so close that they rub off on you. Go out into the world, we're called to go out into the world to serve a world that is in need, to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ But then one of the reasons why we come to church on Sundays is to come here amongst fellow brothers and sisters to get re-energized, re-equipped, rejuvenated, to hear the word of God, to partake of the sacraments, and to get re-equipped to go back out to serve a world that is in need. And I don't know about you, but in the swirling, confusing mess that is our world and the The more I listen to the news, just the more confusing it seems to get at least to me. I find it incredibly helpful that whenever presented with the problem that is our broken and sinful world, James lays out these super approachable topics and advice that we can follow as soon as we leave this building. What is the Christian response to anger? Well, be slow to speak and slow to anger and quick to hear. Be a doer of the word, and not just to hear. Don't go about life looking for your cell phone whenever it is in your hands. And finally, be the kind of person whose religion is pure and undefiled, and don't go about living your life like a person who has just purchased the uniform and not actually done the service that goes along with it. In the name of God, the Father, the Son. God, the Father, and God, the Holy Spirit. Amen.